Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 24th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosper Mike. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. A happy Friday to everyone. I hope everyone enjoyed Thursday's NCAA Tournament action. A lot of Good times there, some good games. Uh, just Josh Jackson continues to impress. I am quickly falling in love with him uh, if the Magic want to take him uh, in the fourth or fifth spot or if he lasts that long. But uh, lots of good, good basketball. And, of course, good basketball coming up later today. The Orlando Magic taking on the Detroit Pistons. And then immediately after that, almost immediately after that, UCLA-Kentucky, probably the big marquee game of the Sweet 16. So lots going on with the Orlando Magic. They have their own game, of course. And then they have probably their... their Players who could be part of their future playing in the NCAA tournament. So definitely plenty to keep an eye on on this Friday. On today's show, though, we're going to talk a little bit about... Not going to talk about the draft. We talked about that on yesterday's show. Uh, We're going to talk today about uh, the Magic's game against the Detroit Pistons. That tips off 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. Uh, I'm going to do my obligatory uh, Mario Azonia discussion as Azonia is back in the news a little bit, shifting uh, position just a smidge. Um, so we'll chat a little bit about that and what that means and, and generally just how he's been doing now that he's getting regular minutes again. And then I'm going to open up my mailbag a little bit early, do a mini mailbag here on the show, so I'll answer some of your questions uh, that you might have about the Magic uh, as we head toward the final 10 games of the season. Unbelievably, there are only 10 more games left this year. So let's start with that game. Game number 73? Is that Does that sound right, 73? Game number 73, the Orlando Magic taking on the Detroit Pistons. It has been a long time since we've seen the Detroit Pistons. The Magic played them twice up at the Palace of Auburn Hills uh, in uh, uh, in Detroit, in Auburn Hills, Michigan, um, back in December. Probably their, their biggest, their, one of their nicest wins of the season came in Detroit earlier this year. It was actually the last game before that fateful trip to Washington when John Wall scored 50 points, the Magic won the game won the game in a high-scoring affair and in the defense was never heard of again. So probably the last time the Magic played really good defense was that game at Detroit when when you know the Magic I think avenged avenged a defeat uh, to Detroit earlier in the in the year uh, and picked up a really nice win over a what was then thought of as a good Pistons team. A lot's changed with Detroit since then. Number 1 Reggie Jackson's been in and out of the lineup. He had the injury earlier, came back. Things have just been off with him. Uh, I mean, not that his stats have been bad, but the team just doesn't play well with him. They actually play a little bit better with Ish Smith as their point guard. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts uh, Friday's game for the Pistons because he's been that good for them. Andre Drummond has seemingly taken a little bit of a step back. He's kind of stagnated in his development. Tobias Harris has been on and off as well. Stan Van Gundy's moved him in and out of the starting lineup. Uh, There's been talk of him maybe being a sixth man of the year candidate, but he hasn't been able to, but he won't qualify because he started too many games. And I think he's starting again. 
We know what Tobias Harris is capable of. He can score a lot of points, uh, and he's done that at various points this year. Detroit's been a very weird team to figure. They got a 103.6 offensive rating, 23rd in the league. Their defensive rating is 105.3. That's 11th in the league. So they're really good defensively, kind of bad offensively, uh, and just hard to figure out. They've lost five of their last six games to fall out of the playoff pole position, so they're very much in the playoff race. This this is a game uh, like Charlotte on, on Wednesday, but even more so, this is a game for Detroit that matters. They need to win this game. This is not a game that they can afford to lose, especially considering they lost to Brooklyn earlier in the week. They followed that up with a big loss to Chicago that had Stan Van Gundy questioning things and questioning himself and saying, look, and this is a paraphrase, I have to take some blame. I have to take some blame here too. I put these guys together, and 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 you know we're all searching for answers right now. So the Pistons are in a bit of tur- excuse me are in a bit of turmoil as they head to the Amway Center. As I say though, on on every single one of these podcasts, when I preview a game, it's less about what the other team's going to do, more about what the Magic are going to do. We know what Detroit's going to do going to play good defense, they're going to rebound the ball, they're going to do what Stan Van Gundy teams do. Spread you out offensively, uh, be aggressive, be be attacking, be defensive-minded. That's what the Pistons do. It's more important what the Magic do, and, and that was as much the case Wednesday as it was the case Monday, as it, was, it will be the case on Friday. Orlando has to continue to sustain the effort that they played because since the Phoenix game, really, uh, at the end of that road trip, the Magic have played some real pretty good basketball. I mean, they're playing... Uh, more energetic, they're playing more focused, at least since the second half of the Philadelphia game. Uh, the Charlotte game just came down to a matter of make, making and missing shots and execution down the stretch. Uh, that is an acceptable way to lose. I mean, it's not acceptable in that, you know, you want to win those games, you want to learn those lessons, but it if you lose because you miss shots, because you're getting good shots and you just miss them, you can live with that. You can shrug your shoulders and say that that that's fine. That's that's how we, lo- that you know, that we needed to make shots and we didn't. Uh, that's okay. I mean, I, I think the Magic certainly could have done some other things better uh, to, to get stops uh, in, in that game Wednesday, but offensively, they were they were generally fine. I didn't have too much of a problem with their offense. I think they tried to force things late, especially once Charlotte took the lead, but Orlando could certainly improve itself and improve its standing uh, in, in that front, and hopefully they learn some lessons, but generally, they've played good basketball, and so I think if they take care of themselves, they take care of their own business, They'll give themselves a chance to win the game. I mean, we're at this reality now that the Magic are what twenty six and forty six, or, or no, they're, they're whatever their record is. Uh, I got it right here, twenty six and forty six. They're not. They're going to struggle to win games. They, they, their bench is a problem. You know, we we know the issues with this team. They're going to have some issues just kind of getting themselves over that hump, and so they've got to. Take opportunities when they can get them and put themselves in position to win. They put themselves in position to win, and then it's a coin flip. And I think that's where the Magic need to get themselves out. And obviously, Detroit's struggling. So if you can pounce on them, you pounce on them. And I know what people are saying behind me, but I, I don't care. I'm worried about this game. And I think if the Magic take if the Magic can take care of their business, take care of their game plan, focus in, they have a real shot to win this game against Detroit. They've beaten them before. Why not? Why can't they beat them again? And the Magic match up a little bit better with them now that they go smaller as well. The Markeith Morris is an interesting matchup uh, as a small forward. Um, 
And, and, and that's kind of where this, this game is at. Should be an interesting one. 7 o'clock at the Amway Center, as always. Game is on Fox Sports Florida, as well as the Fox Sports Go app and NBA League Pass if you get it. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Okay, then. Let's talk some Mario Hazonia. Uh, it's always good to check in on Hazonia. I think he's kind of the... He's all year been a little bit of the flavor of the month. I mean, I think everyone knows top five pick from last year. Uh, everyone loves potential. Everyone, it's, it's kind of backup quarterback syndrome. Everyone wants to see him play and wants to see him succeed. Uh, and, and I think I'm in that boat too. I think the Magic are in that boat. I think the players are in that boat. I think everyone wants to see a kid with this much talent uh, find his place in the NBA. And, and this season has been really tough for him to find that place in the league. Um, he came into the league as a shooter. And this season, he struggled to shoot. He's shooting... 29.9% from beyond the arc, 35.6% from the floor. Essentially, the thing that's holding Azonia back is his inability to shoot. Frank Vogel's tried him in a few different places. They, now, they don't necessarily run plays for him, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because, again, he, he's struggling to shoot right now. But they're trying to find the right place for him. And Vogel has a different approach to Hazonia than... Uh, than uh, 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 the coaches before him, than Scott Skiles did. Skiles viewed him as a, a, a guard, essentially, as a point guard. He ran him at point guard uh, for a little bit, ran him at the two and three, and, and Hisonia found success there. There's no, I mean, I, I think his rookie year wasn't a success, but um, was not bad. 6.1 points per game, 34.9% from, from beyond the arc, 43.3% from the floor. Um, he did some nice things. 1.4 assists per game was also nice because I think his passing ability is actually what he's best at right now. Um, but there's still an odd defensive fit, and I think that's where Hazonia struggled to get minutes with Skiles as the coach, and that's where he struggled to get minutes with Vogel as the coach too. Hazonia has been unable to beat the players ahead of him in practice. You know, as far as we as far as we know, that's the only assumption we can make. Uh, and when he's played, he's been wildly inconsistent. He has just been unable to put all the pieces together. Something interesting happened though on Wednesday at Wednesday's game against the Hornets. Jeff Green was out with back spasms and. Uh, Frank Vogel, who has said he considers Hazonia more of a small forward, power forward type rather than a guard, played Hazonia large minutes at power forward. It was it was interesting to say the least. And Hazonia shot only three for twelve from the floor, but it did seem like he got space for he got space for other players and uh, was able to get open shots. He was just perhaps moving a little too too quickly, which young players often do. Absolutely, you know, and uh, I thought he looked really good. He missed a couple bunnies last night, missed a couple open looks, uh, but did some really good things. And uh, you know, I think it's a, a position that you know we'll see how it plays out, but it could be really good for him. Give Frank Vogel their credit. He, he's trying to find ways to keep his Zonia involved and 
make has give Hazonia a chance to succeed. He's he's trying to find the best ways to involve him uh, in in the offense, and 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 it it did seem to work. Hazonia was not afraid to let it fly. It did seem like he was rushing things a lot and, and was still getting a little bit comfortable with the position. Um, as Vogel has said when he was talking about Aaron Gordon, uh, and and I asked Hazonia about this. I'll play a clip from him in just a moment here too. Um, that. There's definitely some getting comfortable, but the position's still largely the same offensively. Defensively, he has to do a few things differently. You know, maybe he has to set more screens and pick and rolls rather than be the ball handler and pick and rolls. But I, it, 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 it's still it, it's still an adjustment. It's still an opportunity for him to to find some matchup uh, some matchups that he can take advantage of in the same way that Aaron Gordon takes t- can take advantage of some of those matchups. The bottom line is. Hizoni is the kind of guy, and he's always been this way, and he's always said this Said this whenever we've asked him about positions or, or where he's, he is on the floor. Hizoni just wants to roll the ball out and play. He just wants to play, and, you know, he seemed optimistic by this opportunity. It was amazing for me. Uh, I mean, uh, I was just, I had, like, movement mistakes, I believe. I was talking to assistant coaches to see what they think about it. But, like, it feels amazing to me. I have no problems with it. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Hazoni has been very adaptable. He's obviously had to make a lot of changes throughout his young career and adjust to a lot of different things, obviously to new coaches, among other things. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, when it comes to Hazonia, it's going to come down to production. It's going to come down to his defense, um, which which I think is going to be very key to to his development, and, and he's shown improvement on the defensive end. It's, it's come in little fits and spurts, but he has shown uh, increased awareness defensively. He's been smarter with when he tries to go for steals, when he's tried to... Uh, he's been better with his positioning and better with his, his attention on, on especially second effort plays has been a big sticking point for him. So you can trust him a little bit more defensively now, um, which is a big step forward for him. On top of all that, uh, you, you gotta just... It, it comes down to now doing the right things, making the right reads, and then making shots. He's got to produce. And right now, Hazonia is still struggling to shoot the ball. Uh, and, and that's really his NBA skill. And, and when you when you take the camera back a little bit, when you, when, you, when you scale back and look at the bigger picture of Mario Hazonia, he is still, it seems, very critical to what the Magic are trying to do and what the Magic are trying to build. We all know that the Magic's bench right now is is just a mess. And they need to find production off the bench anywhere they can get it. Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier are likely here to stay. There, there's certainly a possibility that the Magic draft another wing player. Regardless of any of that, the Magic are not relying on a rookie next year to support them. Mario Azonia is going to be very difficult to trade because his trade value right now is, is, is pretty low. But Hazonia... Is, so that means Hazonia is still really key to the Magic's development this in the future. And they need to try and find a way to make him work. How do we get him the, the ball in spots where he can shoot? Is he just a spot-up shooter? I don't think he is. Can he run pick-and-rolls? That's a big question. Can he, can he come off curls and cuts and shoot off, off, off cuts? That's a big question still, too. And it's not entirely clear how the Magic answer these questions, because every time they've tried something with Hazonia, it, it seems to work for a little while, and then it stops, or it just doesn't work at all. 
The only place that, that I know Hazonia is, is very successful is in transition, where he, he is a really good passer. And we saw that dime he made to Bismack Biombo, and I think even taking some power forwards off the dribble will help him unleash some of that passing because he's got the height to look over power forwards. And he's got the, the speed to get past them. And, and kind of like Aaron Gordon, where he's more effective off the dribble against slower defenders, frankly. Hazonia's development is going to continue to be a, a major storyline for this year and, and for the summer, assuming he stays with the team, which, which, again, no reason to think he won't. And there's no reason to think the Magic won't pick up his option for his fourth year anyway. So they're still very invested in Mario Hazonia. And finding a way to make, make it work with him is absolutely critical to the team's success moving forward. I don't know the answer to this. I don't know how they get him to work. It, it, it's not just simply giving him a longer leash. His only played 23 minutes in Wednesday's game. He's been averaging about 20 minutes per game for the last month. He's getting time. Maybe he could get a little bit more time. And I know there's people who think C.J. Watson needs to do his minutes, but Frank Vogel doesn't view him as a two. He's playing the three or the four. So scaling back Jeff Green's minutes obviously helps him get some more get some more playing time. The Magic just need to find something that works and give Hizonia a game plan for the summer on how to prepare for this coming season. We know that he can put in the work. He's a, he's a hard worker by all accounts. Um, you know, Bill Burgos did, a, did an interview with, with uh, uh, Steve Ashburner of NBA.com and said Mario Hizonia won, won the team's Iron Magic Award for best, weight, you know, best improvements in the weight room. There's plenty of opportunity for Hazonia to improve his to prove everything, and, and he knows that. I think he's he's I think he recognizes all of that too. There are some adjustments he has to make to playing power forward, and we'll see if this experiment continues. This is this is the time of year to make these experiments, to try these things when you know the games are relatively low stakes. Obviously, the Magic are trying to win these games, but that doesn't mean they can't try some new things out as well. Orlando does have to figure this out. They do have to have a plan and understand what Hisonia can give them next year as they're building the roster. If they feel confident that Hisonia can take that step up, that's one less piece they need to add to, to get where they want to go. So far this year, it's been really tough to say that he can add that piece and be anything more than a spot-up shooter, which he struggled with as well. Hisonia has a lot of talent, no doubt about it, but he has to begin showing it on the floor if he's going to find success, and be a part of this team moving forward. Okay, let's move on to the fun part of the show. We're going to do uh, a mini mailbag here. Uh, I'll I'll have the Atlanta Magic Daily mailbag coming out uh, in a week, Uh, but I do want to answer a few questions uh, that, that I've been getting. I'll try and keep this brief. This one comes from Jonathan Leonard. He left this in the comments on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, what is the Magic's biggest position of need? And, um, you know, I kind of tailored the mailbag questions I was looking for after the draft, so I'll answer it this way. In the draft, with that top pick, the Magic need to take the the best player available. I don't care if it's Laurie Markkinen and, and you end up pushing Vooch out of the way. I don't care if it's Josh Jackson and he doesn't fit with Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon. I don't care if it's Darren Fox and you're pushing Alfred Payton out of the way on down the line. I don't care about any of that. You take the best player available, especially in this draft where it does seem like there are three or four potential star quality players. I'm, I'm a little bit lower on this draft than most. I like Fultz. I like Ball. I love Jackson. 
not taking them, not taking him over Fulcher Ball. Smith, I'm okay with. Uh, Monk, I like, don't lo- don't love, but I like him. Uh, I don't see him as a star player. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Tilakina yet. Uh, Fox, I, I I like his game, but he kind of reminds me a little bit too much of Alfred Payton with his lack of shooting and and, and so on and so forth. Um, so you take the best player available in the draft now. Specific positions of need. It, it, it's less positions of need because I think the Magic have right now five guys who can at least spot start for you. They have five starter qual- caliber players, but they don't have that one kind of driving force. And this is what we've talked about for so long among Magic fans. It's not so much that they need to target a specific position and say, oh, we need to improve our point guard position. They need to improve every position because they got role players there, essentially. No no offense to the ma- players on the Magic. They're, they're trying. But everyone complains about Evan Fournier being a ball hog too much and not passing the ball. That's not what he's good at. And the Magic have had to ask him to be their primary perimeter scorer when he's not capable of doing that. So mainly, I think what the Magic need is they need a primary perimeter scorer. They need someone who's going to be able to break his man off the dribble with five seconds left on the shot clock and get his own shot and pretty much make the defense focus in on him and crowd him and double-team him and open lanes up for other other players. I think that's really what the Magic need more than anything else. Um, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball fit that bill. Josh Jackson fits that bill. Dennis Smith Jr. definitely fits that bill. So that's four players already. That really do fit. That really do fit that need that the Magic have, and 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 I get that's why a lot of people say the Magic should be tanking to ensure they get a top four pick. There's nothing they can do to ensure they get a top four pick. Honestly, I mean, even if they finish fourth, that it's out of their it's out of their control whether they get that pick. But they sneak into the top three. They're going to get a good player. Um, there are a lot of other good players in this draft as well. I'm sure I'm blanking on some of them as as I as I've begun to do a little bit more of my my draft study. Uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, Completely slipped my mind. He's another guy who showed at Duke he can create his own shot uh, and even extend out to the three-point line, maybe even the NBA three-point line. Um, works a little bit more in between, which I think you need from a star player. You need a star player who can who can make mid-range jumpers because those are the tough shots that star players have to be able to make. Um, so again, that's five players. You go Fultz, Monk, Fultz, Ball, uh, Jackson, Tatum. Smith, those are five quality players that you can get regardless of position that can help the Magic. I think relatively immediately. It may take some time, but um, they'll give the Magic something that they don't quite have yet. Um, Someone asked, I'm not going to answer that one here. Um, The big question uh, that I think a lot of people have here as well is um, why does every other team but the Magic tank? And and I think I've addressed this several times on the podcast. Uh, Justin Romain at Romain underscore Justin asked this on Twitter a few days ago. Um, and he said, he quote, answer this. Why does every other team but Magic tank? They don't seem to care about building a winning culture. LA, Philadelphia, Sacramento, they everyone assumes they're tanking. Now, I, I think I spelled this out. I hope I spelled this out um, earlier on the podcast. I, I put it up in my power rankings roundup. What I think tanking kind of is... If you watch Philadelphia, if you watched Philadelphia on Monday, you can't tell me those players don't care about winning. 
sure, the Sixers were a skeleton crew, lots of young guys, no Jaleel Okafor who's hurt. You can call that tanking. That's that's administerial tanking. But those players cared about winning that game. And I, I wasn't in their locker room, so I can't say that they were crushed that they lost. But they were playing to win that game. And so generally, teams that are quote-unquote tanking are just making a conscious decision to maybe play young players over veterans, shut down guys with injuries, that kind of stuff. I, I, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that philosophically. If that happens, it happens. But the reason why it feels like the Magic aren't tanking is they have no young guys they need to play. You're not benching Bismack Biombo to play Steven Zimmerman because Bismack Biombo is part of your team's future. He's on a four-year deal. He is he is not going anywhere. It does you no good to sit him. You need to figure out how best to use him in this new style that you're playing. The Magic have other goals they want to accomplish the rest of the season. They want to see if they can play this fast-paced transition style. And in order to see if it works and, and, and decide how they want to build next, they need to see if they can win a few games doing it. See how it looks. You might say, okay, don't play Jeff Green. What, what's he giving you? Who are you playing besides him? Now now that Mario Zoni is playing power forward a little bit more, don't be surprised if Green is out a little bit longer with these back spasms. If, if, if it looks like Zoni is going to work here. And, and certainly, I think that there is a fair argument to be made. C.J. Wilcox should play over C.J. Watson at the 2 if Watson's going to get minutes at the 2. Because... Watson's on a on a uh, non-guaranteed deal next year, and, and I don't know if the Magic are going to keep him around either. So there are definitely some things the Magic could do to, you know, maybe grease the wheels a little bit as far as trying to pick up lottery, you know, not necessarily pick up lottery balls, but look at young players, which are probably worse than your veterans, and that will give you a worse chance of winning. But again, you look at Sacramento, the way they play right now. Scalabissier is killing it. Buddy Heald's killing it. They aren't playing some of their veterans for sure, and they're probably a worse team for doing that. But that team is playing hard. And so the bottom line of this is we're, we're talking about bad teams here. The Magic can throw out their best lineup, and they're still more than like more likely to lose than they are to win. Because your record is your record is what it says it is. The Magic are twenty six and forty six. They're not a winning team, and so I don't worry about them losing. They're going to lose their fair share of games the rest of the way. If they go three and seven. They're not catching New York. They're not catching Sacramento. The Magic are going to be fourth or fifth in the lottery odds. They're, they're, there's very little room for them to to move around. And so to say, why aren't the Magic, you know, maybe more overtly, I guess would be the word, tanking, it's A, because they really can't. They don't have the ability to because of the way their bench is set up. Their bench is all veterans. That's part of the problem. And B, they have goals they want to accomplish. And they can't accomplish those goals if they're just packing in the season. And they can't build 
a culture that will get them to the playoffs in 2018 because their goal is still to make the playoffs in 2018. I have no doubt about that. They are not thinking this is another two, three year rebuild for Hennigan to, to oversee or the next GM to oversee or whatever. They want to bring in, they're going to bring in someone, they're going to bring in pieces that will help them make the playoffs in 2018. And if they get Fultz or they get Ball or they get, you know, one of the high draft picks, they're going to say, you know, we're going to develop them, we're going to give them opportunity, but we're still going to try to make the playoffs. We're going to fit them into the role that we need them to play at this point to make the playoffs. And then when they're ready, they'll take over. That's where the Magic are at right now. They're not looking to rebuild. They're not looking to tank. They did that for three years. And what did it get them? It got them a lot of heartache because they never won the lottery. And it got them in a position now where maybe they promised the playoffs too early, but they don't have the star they need to move forward. And they had to trade away a lot of young assets and hope and make a lot of gambles to take that next step. Those gambles didn't pay off. And now the Magic are, are where, they at, where they're at now. I, as I remind everyone who asks me this question, and, and I think I'm, I, I go against the grain a little bit on this here. As I tell everyone that asks, asks me this question, it is still a lottery. Even if the Magic could catch the Suns, and I don't think they can, and they finish third. They finished third in the Joel Embiid draft. Everyone tell I've had numerous people come up to me, come up to me on Twitter and say the Magic were one pick away from Joel Embiid. No, they weren't. They had Joel Embiid. They lost the lottery and fell to fourth. People tell me the Magic were one pick away from Kristaps Porzingis. No, they weren't. The Knicks were two, three games worse than the Magic, and the Magic even lost to the Knicks in that, uh, in that run up to, to that to that draft. It's a lottery. There's going to be randomness. Things that the Magic cannot control. And sure, you want to give yourself the most tickets in the lottery, I guess. But at the end of the day, it's still random. The pick the Cavs got that got them Kyrie Irving, they had, I think, the best lottery odds in that draft. That got them the third. That got them the fourth pick. They picked Tristan Thompson with that pick. The pick that got them Kyrie Irving was the pick they acquired from the Clippers for Baron Davis. Weird things happen at the lottery. It's not going to go chalk. And so you just have to play out the season, accomplish what you can, and hope things go your way. And I don't think tanking necessarily succeeds. It took Philadelphia, it took Philadelphia how many years to get that number one pick to get Ben Simmons? It took them how many years waiting on Joel Embiid to even get a little bit of him? And they're one spot ahead of the Magic right now. They're not any further along than Orlando is. And they don't even know what they have in Ben Simmons quite yet. So, as always, I preach patience. You know, I I, I say there is still something to gain from the rest of the season that the Magic should be pushing for. And when we get to the lottery, we'll deal with the consequences then. We'll, We'll... there are good players in this draft. Like I named five potential stars. Didn't even get to Jonathan Isaac, who's probably six. Malik Monk, I, I think, can develop into a star. I, I don't like his prospects as much as the as the as the top five. There's Frank Natikalina, who's a really promising point guard prospect from France. To Aaron Fox, like I said, is kind of what we imagine Alfred Payton should be with the way he's playing at Kentucky right now. 
there are plenty of good players. I'm not worried about the Magic getting a good player in this draft. They're going to get a good player in this draft. Whether they get a star or not is a lottery. It's a lot. It's a coin flip. Not even a coin flip. It's a six-sided die roll. So, I don't panic so much about that. And I think that the Magic are right to try and build a winning culture and try to get themselves uh, moving in the right direction uh, on the court with the group that they have because whenever that rookie comes in, they need to come into a culture that expects winning and, and sets him on the right path because otherwise you just become the Sacramento Kings. And no offense to the Kings, but come on. You see it. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, you can follow the podcast on iTunes, Audio Stitcher, and TuneIn. Be sure to leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show uh, as we come to the end of the season. If you have any suggestions for the show, any advertising inquiries, anything you want to ask me about, uh, you can email the show at omagicdaily at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as on Facebook at Locked On Magic. Of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily, as well as check out orlandomagicdaily.com and like us on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. That's going to do it for me today. On Monday, we'll have a complete recap of the Magic's game against the Detroit Pistons, as well as preview the week ahead. Monday, they'll take on the Toronto Raptors in Toronto. So Terrence Ross will be back home in Toronto. And I think Serge Ibaka will be back from his suspension as well. Uh, We'll also have some good goodies for you next week, I'm hoping, uh, as it is officially, it'll be officially WrestleMania week, which in Orlando is maybe kind of a big deal. I I went by the championship belt today, and Orlando are champions of the world. I mean, we have the belt to prove it until another city takes it from us or the WWE takes it down after next Tuesday. Uh, That'll do it for for this week on Locked on Magic. Remember, the Magic take on the Pistons, 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. That'll be on Fox Sports Florida and NBA League Pass as well as the Fox Sports Go app if you get it. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Wright. We will see you again next week for more Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.